0: Refugia, a podcast about renewal. Refugia are places of shelter where life endures in times of crisis. From out of these small sanctuaries, life re-emerges and the world is renewed. We're exploring what it means for people of faith to be people of Refugia. How can we create safe places of flourishing, micro-countercultures where we gain strength and spiritual capacity. To face the challenges ahead, I'm Deborah Reinstra, professor of English at Calvin University, and this is Refugia.
1: They were um, both academics. Dad being a poet and, and, and teaching modern uh, uh, English and American poetry at University of Maryland, and uh, Dirk teaching at Calvin and. Uh, a whole bunch of people that they knew around Calvin and among family and and such who would uh, want to have a community where where people who could you know there could be musicians, there could be uh, artists, there could be photographers and poets, and they have this kind of place where people would uh, interact around the lake. And it was a kind of utopian sort of uh, vision that they had.
0: Hi, everyone. In this episode, we travel out to the shore of Lake Michigan and back in time. My guest, jazz musician David Jelima, grew up spending his summers at the family cottage near the lake, along with a whole group of other families. They were trying to establish an artist intelligentsia retreat, a little quasi-utopian community, at least during the summers. David's father, the poet Rod Jellema, was one of the founders of this community. And David reflects on how it came about and what it has meant to him. So this is an unusual episode about one little experiment in engineering a refugium. The place is called Lost Valley, and I love the poignance of that. It suggests both the loveliness and the ephemerality of that summer dream. The episode begins with David and me talking in the living room of the cottage David's father bought and repaired. Later, we'll move outdoors and down the beach road to the Lodge, and then we end with a special treat, David reading one of his father's poems. Be sure to go to the Refugia podcast website to see the video version of this interview, complete with beautiful shots of the Michigan dunes. Meanwhile, thanks for listening. Today, I'm talking with David Jellema, who's going to tell us about the history of the colony. Hi, David. Hello,
1: hi Deborah, how are you?
0: Thanks for talking with us today. Yep. So tell us about this place. Tell us about the founding of the colony.
1: There's a time in about 1942, mm-hmm. 1943, that, uh, that my, uh, my father and uh, Dirk Jelima, his first cousin, they were living in Holland. They decided that they were going to have a uh, an epic hike from um, from Holland to Ludington and just walk the lakeshore.
0: How many miles is that?
1: <laughs> oh, oh. I think it's like I don't know. It's more than 120 miles.
0: Many, many miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah it's a it's a long ways. It's it's a, it's a good deal of this lakeshore. Um, and they one one uh, summer day they uh they started out and uh spent about i think it was about 2 or 3 weeks doing the uh doing the walk why did they want to do this youthful um, exuberance i i think so <laughs> i think i think dirk was about 15 and and dad was you know about 13 <laughs> or 12 oh they were just kids they were they were youngsters um oh. And so they, uh, they just they just decided that, that they wanted to explore the lake and 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 do this kind of epic thing. Um, remind me to come back to the ending. It's got a very funny, <laughs> a very funny ending. But I, they they had uh, a little knapsack, you know, and they would uh, bring some food and they would sleep out on the beach. And
0: mom and dad were okay <sighs> with this. Yeah yeah <laughs> it was a different time
1: yeah yeah certainly um and when they would get to channels they would you know ask a a fisherman or something to to hoist them across the channel uh at one point they had to to walk all the way around the lake that that uh, they had encountered uh in order to get to the other side of the channel and keep walking
0: spring lake um I don't
1: know. yeah yeah um and I think it might have been at Whitehall where they had to mm-hmm. they had to, you know, barter with with some guy who said, "Well, you know, what what is it going to require?" <laughs> and they said, "We have some great stories." Um so we'll tell you some stories and he said, "All right, you know, and he took them across."
0: This sounds like a Mark Twain novel.
1: <laughs> his his um uh, their dad's father came and picked them up in Ludington uh, after their epic journey, and uh, uh, bought them not just one lunch but two. <laughs> <laughs> Along the way, they had uh, were right about in this area, and they had come to a, uh, a a place that had a cottage or a barn. It looked like a like a like a red barn up on the hill. Um, maybe, the, and I might be getting this mixed up with uh, with another uh, structure that may have been there. Um, uh, Dirk's place was uh, the red red barn. Anyway, they found a they found a place that had a stairway coming down to the beach, and uh, uh, they went up to uh, knock on the door and and say, you know, we need a glass of water, and and uh, uh, and, and there was nobody there and uh peering inside uh dirk noticed dirk is already a historian Mm -hmm. (laughs) dirk noticed that that all the magazines and periodicals and stuff were uh uh set to one date in about 1937 and he said this this place hasn't been occupied since then and dad's like oh really and and they went and looked around and and found a uh found a uh a corral that was overgrown and and such. So, um, it, uh, years later, they, they made, they figured out who dirt came back to this area and was trying to figure out who, who owned this land and and Mm -hmm. such and found out actually who owned that, uh, that place.
0: So it was empty when they went up there.
1: Yep. And remained empty. Okay. Um,
0: and Dirk went on to become a historian.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. And taught at Calvin and, and uh, what, uh, medieval history and Russian history. And, okay. and, and, uh, one and of such.
0: the legendary Jelemas at Calvin. Yes.
1: And one, one of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh, he eventually found the person who, who owned it and by chance, this person was in town from Chicago, I think, and, uh, was here to pay the taxes on it. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, Dirk tracked him down at his hotel <laughs> and yes. said, can I buy this from you? And I think that's when he got, I think that's when he got the story that, uh, um, they had had this fam. this couple that was living there had a, uh um a, a a child with uh, a physical or, or mental disabilities and um the, the child one day tragically wandered outside of uh outside of the, the gate um that had been left open by uh, by a, uh, an assistant or a helper or something and and the little boy tumbled down the stairs and died oh dear and and so they uh so they just up and left and and mm-hmm. never came back and wow um and so Dirk heard the story i mean he 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 wanted to buy it the guy thought about it for about five minutes Mm. and said i you know i'm ready to i'm ready to sell it you know because they just came back to to pay the taxes Mm. and never never spent any time there anymore Mm. um
0: became a tragic place for them yeah, yeah yeah
1: and and it turned out for for uh dad and uh, and dirk to to be the sort of fledgling uh, starting point for dirk dirk was the man dad i think at the time was um when dirk was here looking into that uh um, possibility dad was in edinburgh studying uh you know victorian literature
0: so these two let's go back to these two young teenagers walking along the beach spotting this place going and looking around yeah and that's stuck in their minds there was something about that part yeah. that point in the lake shore and that particular place that stuck in their minds so that later when they became young adults they wanted to come back to it yeah what is it about this spot do you think that intrigued them
1: well that's a that's a really good question part of it part of it is that they had had their childhood on the lake shore they had spent mm-hmm. you know all their all their time there in Holland, uh, grew up both in, in Holland.
0: So they grew up in Holland. Well, year-round. uh, Dirk,
1: Dirk, uh, may have been part of, uh, from Indiana and I don't know how much mm-hmm. time he spent there. Um, but, but dad grew up in Holland year round and, and would have, they had places, uh, cottages out at Maple Beach. Um, uh, my grandparents did, uh, he, uh my grandfather's brother did, um, anyway we have ties to to the to the beaches along there and they would spend a lot of time you know uh sailing or or making a making a sailboat or <laughs> or fishing they would go out on on the lake and cast a line and catch a whole bunch of perch and bring it back and and have a perch fry that day yeah. you know <laughs> boyhood dream yeah and yeah. and the the lake had had uh had all sorts of magic to it uncle harry Jellima um William Harry Jerome mm-hmm. asked would ask ask dad you know do you do you think uh you think the the lake is your friend and and dad sort of never thought about this but but um uh, Harry said you know it's not uh, you you better not think of mm. this as your friend necessarily
0: why did he ask that question what was um, he after
1: well uh the the boys spent so much time playing in the lake, and uh, all of us have a story of uh, something in which we we had a moment of danger, oh, um, yes. either either surfing or sailing or mm-hmm. or just out there swimming. And, and when I was a little boy, um, there's a there's a divot in the sandbar, and we found that divot, and and suddenly we're under, and oh, somebody yes. had to come out and rescue us so uh and the undertoes, of course uh were mm-hmm. were epic uh always the,
0: respect the lake, always respect always. the yeah it's
1: yeah. it's and we have books here on on all the all the shipwrecks um uh the lake shipwrecks and yeah. things and Dad was fascinated with that mm-hmm. um but they they always had this kind of profound uh sense that the the lake was uh, was was kind and benevolent, but at the same time was furious mm-hmm. and and uh, and and uh, uh, indifferent. <laughs> it's
0: a wild thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What about the dunes? Your your dad seems as if he was especially attracted to the beauty of the dunes.
1: Um, in indeed, uh, the I don't know. I think I think they. Um, it's just a kind of uh, majesty uh yeah. of these um they would play on the dunes mm-hmm. and and you have to you have to traverse these things when you're getting up to the cottages and um and so you you burn your feet in the late afternoon <laughs> sun on these and you tumble down them or or you know sand surf down mm-hmm. them or whatever they they're just they're uh um part of what gives us our um uh, our <laughs> <laughs> our fortitude and <laughs> endurance and, and flexibility as kids. Um, and, uh, but, but sleeping, sleeping in the dunes is a, mm-hmm. is a kind of magical thing too. Um, you're, you're at the, you're at the intersection there of, of sky and, and, and light and, and water and, and earth. Yeah. You're in the four elements are, are, you know, right there at the shore with you. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of, that kind of magic, Um, is is what is what has always drawn people here to this Uh, um, there's
0: something primitive about it yeah that connection to wind yeah and light and water so your dad and dirk at at some point said let's buy land
1: yeah dirk dirk especially um was the one who well those those kind of details i'm I would have to refer you to uh, the recording of dad telling these stories, mm-hmm. um, the, the the details of it. He bought um, one mile of property. He was, he was shrewd and figured out that uh, this wasn't going to be beachfront um, uh, yardage. Mm-hmm. This was going to be farm acreage. And so he bought a whole bunch of it. A whole mile of it, really cheaply. When because this? of this? What year was this? Uh, approximately. Um, uh, fifty-eight, fifty-nine, okay. sixty, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, subsequently he bought another mile north of here. But the cutoff mm-hmm. point was pretty much, um, right down here uh, at the end of Lost Valley Road, um, and. The mile between here and what is called Grey Dunes were at the end of Eilers Road. Mm-hmm. That's where Dirk's uh uh house was. That's where that house was and and where he, he set up his cottage and 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 uh
0: did he build a new cottage? Yes, or? yes, yes. yes, oh, okay. yes so yeah. he built something yes, yeah. but this place was actually in existence.
1: This was in existence. I think this was built in about eighteen ninety says so 125 you know yeah. so it was built in
0: that time when people from chicago or st louis were coming to michigan yeah as their resort settlement yeah and building although
1: this was a farmhouse and and okay. it was not used as a resort it was okay. not um uh and and yes there are some beautiful beautiful uh resort places mm-hmm. along on white lake or in uh uh on she- in shelby mm-hmm. um
0: so your dad saw this old farmhouse and it was a total wreck.
1: Yeah, um and he and said I'm going to fix it. Up. He says, "Yeah, what, what 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 do you want for it, Dirk?" and and I don't know what what the the payment was, you know, some ridiculous something. Dad probably spent 14,000 building it up, you know, and uh fixing it and mm-hmm. such. Um maybe even less. I, you know, um and and uh, this this wing was added on much later. This was uh, done during the uh, early '80s, I think. Um, but uh, he, the, the Marty Marty Schultz was the guy who uh, did the actual work. Guy, poor guy, had so many uh, headaches uh, trying to figure out how to how to line things up and what to do with this crumbled uh, fireplace and <laughs> that you know some of the stuff was even coming down while he was working on it uh um (laughs) nothing was
0: plumb i suppose yeah yeah so i i understand that your your dad and dirk together had a kind of vision yeah and the phrase that i've seen is an artist intelligentsia retreat (laughs) what is that did it happen
1: (laughs) well both of them were were intelligentsias they were um both academics and and uh Uh, dad being a poet and and teaching modern uh, Mm -hmm. uh, English and American poetry at University of Maryland and uh, Dirk teaching at Calvin and a whole bunch of people that they knew around Calvin and among family and mm-hmm. and such who would uh, want to have a community where where people who could you know there could be musicians there could be uh, artists there could be photographers and poets and have this mm-hmm. kind of place where. People would, uh, interact around the lake and it was a kind of utopian sort of, uh, vision that they had. Yeah. Um,
0: what drove them to, to seek that, do you think?
1: Ah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, you know, wanting to perpetuate something of their own, uh, childhood, mm. um, Uh, the the kind of people that they had in their lives um, uh, my grandfather and Dirk's uh, uh, father grandfather um, or father I guess Mm -hmm. and uh, they were they were philosophers and 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 teachers and uh, lovers of life Mm -hmm. and uh, creative and such and they saw uh, they saw that kind of vision in, in something that they could do um, with friends at Calvin and, mm-hmm. and family members and I think uh, I think it was just a kind of desire to perpetuate that that same yeah. sort of magic that they had growing up in, in uh, on the lake mm-hmm. um, and and bring it to a place that was um, that was new that was uh, um, Uh, it it had some things happening there there was that lodge down there when when Dirk bought it um and it was I I I I don't dare uh venture into what what kind of um how that came about and such but
0: they didn't start that um, that was actually there yeah that was
1: there and the dunes club structure was there too
0: and there was Um, a dream of a jazz club that never quite worked out
1: that was no that i'm not sure what that was uh initially i think it was a lodge um and and a restaurant but um when dirk bought it uh he made a restaurant into uh out of it there was a one wing was fine dining and the middle of it was a bar and then uh, uh another wing was a um, was a kind of a dance music hall
0: so and, dirk is a history professor yeah at kelvin and now he's running a restaurant
1: yeah, he. Well, I mean, people. I don't know people in the people in the fifties and sixties did a lot more, more with their lives. It's amazing what they got into. To me, maybe he had less grading to,
0: than we do. I don't know.
1: Yeah, just yeah, right. I just just uh yeah, they're, they're not as jaded. Maybe, maybe um,
0: he was just a extremely capable person. Yes,
1: yes. he lost his shirt. Um, uh, so. Yeah you know and and in in matters of in matters of selling he wasn't he wasn't nearly as keen as as he, as he was in buying he had yeah. he had bought property up in uh and what is it the the sleeping bear dunes and uh and and some lawyers somehow uh sort of knived their ways into into uh into his um i don't know legal weaknesses let's say and and you know so you see he had a difficult time with with uh, losing money on on his on his ventures um
0: but it was a beautiful dream
1: <laughs> he he hired he hired a jazz band um every, to mm-hmm. play every saturday night from f- some local musicians one guy from uh, baldwin michigan uh who used to play at uh jazz limited mm-hmm. in chicago it was a jazz club in chicago a guy named Don Engle. Don Engle was uh, the son of someone named uh, Red Engle, and Red Engle played with Spike Jones. Anyway, the yeah. the connections go on, you know, on and on. Uh, there's another the the cornet player of that band was um, uh, was someone who was uh, becoming renowned for sounding like this classic historical. Uh, um, uh, early jazz cornet player named big spider and uh so they started a, a band with some people from grand haven you know high school and and such it was called the jack pine savages and the jack <laughs> pine yeah the yeah. jack pine savages um and there's a band now currently named jack pine savages that have nothing to do with jazz at all oh. uh interesting but they played here for ooh I'm gonna guess you know three to four years um fairly regularly, and I think even um even through the winter um
0: so that was another question I had. This was meant to be a summer retreat, yeah, so the the professors would all come out here in the summer with their families, yeah, and have their intelligentsia artistic moments together, going to the beach, going to the jazz club on Saturday night. did it actually happen? How long did this? Camelotian dream
1: it lasted it lasted for for you know uh let's let's say let's say it was it fostered um a much larger sort of um um development of 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 people who wanted to come in and 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 uh, uh and and move away sort of from that vision a good at least a good dozen years there was this um exciting kind of um uh, just, just um a, a a sense that they were doing this. Um you we were had a something, at this time. Yeah. You remember this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was there Who was some um, of
0: the characters.
1: Um <laughs> first one that comes to mind is George Ramsay. And George Ramsey had a cottage over here. He was an artist that taught in um was it Wittenberg? Okay. University in Springfield. Okay. Maybe. Um and and uh and his wife, and they occupied that um that uh, uh Dunes Club down there for a little while. They were they were the inhabitants there for a bit, and they kind of uh they were very uh important in the whole summer ventures at Lost Valley. That that dad and and George and and, and Dirk uh, had envisioned, whereby they would uh, have classes for uh, kids, uh, various classes. Uh, there was a, a photog- local photographer here in in a newspaper who came and taught some photography. Um, there was a woman who had a place down here named Shannon. She had a lot and she she taught Spanish. Um, the Spanish c- courses were 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 it was hard to get little kids to try to speak spanish we so we made paper mache uh things <laughs> and and um and then we had sailing classes and uh dad did a poetry uh uh class and um ramsey did a mural class where he taught the kids how to make a mural and they did it on one of the walls of that dunes club in mm-hmm. interior wall uh in the front room there so and then you know uh saturday we would do those on weekends and uh um sometimes we'd get people from you know area uh elementary and and junior high schools to to come out and participate and such
0: how old were you during this i moment i think
1: i think i was probably you know 10, 11, 12, 13, something like that. Um, it was at that, that restaurant. And I was, I was 10 years old. Um, when I, when I somehow me and me and a cousin Phil and, and maybe Michael was with me my brother and, uh, and a couple other of the local kids we we were just sort of down exploring by the lake and we sat on a dune right next to that and it was fairly we could see the lake from where we were we we're underneath the, the the trees there um and and uh there was this jazz band playing in there and uh i had only been playing cornet for one year in elementary school and i had been Playing, you know a little uh you know i don't know uh mary had a little lame and stuff and i wasn't practicing but i looked at this <laughs> and i thought oh that's what i could do you know and it was that that band that sort of s- sparked me and knowing that i was out there you know kind of interested and then in- they invited me in uh Maybe an, maybe it was another Saturday or whatnot, but but I got to meet the cornet player and and we talked about mouthpieces. And I'm just kind of <laughs> giddy and such. Um, bought the record and brought it home, and and that's what I you know learned to play along with. Yeah. Um, he eventually became a mentor of mine, and that very cornet that uh, that he was playing on, I'm I'm playing on since about 1992. I bought it from him. You still have it? I still oh yeah, and I'm, oh, wow. that's my that's my gig horn, yeah. and it's. It is from 1965, so it's as old as I am. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's a
0: lot he, of magic here in this place for you.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Another another thing that um, that happened when I was eight. Uh, my brother, my brother John, and and uh, two uh, friends, one really close friend uh, from this area, mm-hmm. uh, almost like a cousin, he was, um, uh, Bill Smalligan and then uh, uh a third boy who was a step cousin from South Carolina they they were coming home from our our church uh in Claybanks church up up uh, north of here just a mile or so a couple miles and it was sunday afternoon and and they were coming home and and there was a new stop sign and they uh, missed it and and got killed mm-hmm. that that afternoon it was um uh, they died later that day, so you know we we had some moments where the kids would went over to a cousin's house uh, in Gray Dunes, and we at the, the where that corral was, and we mm-hmm. and we uh, rode horses for a little while, and then came back and found out that that John had died. Mm-hmm. All three of them had, yeah. I all this. Oh yeah. You were just a kid. Yeah, eight, mm-hmm. and it was a um, so that. And and it was right up at this corner here. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to pass by this corner um to get here. Mm-hmm. Um How does so that
0: feel for you now?
1: Um the trees are not there anymore. The the mm-hmm. trees that they ended up next to are not there. And I there was a period in my life when i would walk up to the corner every summer and just you know do a kind of you know a, a little pilgrimage walk and and uh just go up to the corner and find four leaf clovers all the way or or mm-hmm. see deer or you know have a mm-hmm. <laughs> just have these kind of um uh, n- nice moments to myself yeah.
0: um so your connection to this place isn't all joyful boyhood shenanigans it's Deep family connections, yeah, and tragedies
1: yeah, and and, yeah. Um, Aunt on, Gret died here too, and I was with uh, with um, my girlfriend at the time. We went up and and uh, and had you know tried to resuscitate her, and and, mm-hmm. and she had had a heart attack, and and I had been just with her that morning, walking around up uh, around her parking lot, mm-hmm. and and just sort of because she had been recovering from an operation, mm-hmm. um, and and. So those kind of those kind of uh uh tragedies mm-hmm. uh we've had we've had a few few among the yalamas that, that uh and and the relatives that 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 have all stuck. Um
0: You live in Texas now. Why do you keep coming back here every year?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, um part of, part of it was until recently, of course, um, was just because uh, I would be with with my dad for uh, some time. Um, he was ninety when he died, and uh, the you know the past ten years before that, we would we would come up here together and and um, see what you're seeing right now the the birds and the sunshine and the breezes and and the open windows and and uh, and and uh, wonderful wonderful you know food that we would get just fish and corn and cherries and Mm -hmm. and uh uh just um the the time together was was really important but also um i'm i'm coming to the point where i'm starting to have a sense a deeper sense that this is very much as much uh, a part of mine as it was of dad's and when i you know i've i've always kind of felt like this was dad's place um even though i've had so much of my my time here Mm -hmm. um and it's hard to imagine uh it being mine um because there've been a lot of people who have been through here and a lot of people who have ties to this mm-hmm. and a lot of people who have um uh, spent you know spent lots of love here uh and and so um i'm i'm feeling that coming back here there's there are ties to that lake mm-hmm. especially and and the, the the mad it's a it's been a kind of spiritual womb for me. I mean, my you know the the death of my brother, my mom's death, uh, first love, um, hearing hearing a you know the jazz band uh, mm-hmm. for the first time, learning to surf from my brother, uh, um, and all these kind of really really formative. Uh, life experiences mm-hmm. that have um, uh, become so much a a part of how I think in terms of my own spirituality, even yeah. that life is a kind of transience. Mm. Life is a is not permanent. It's not anything you can necessarily count on. Yeah. Um,
0: and there's something about that dune and that lake.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and their ceaseless motion. Yeah, that resonates with that sense of transience.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and yet you always have a sense that you have a place where you can you can enjoy that transience. It's, it's so beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: and it's almost the the implacable indifference of it, in a way, um, that gives it that beauty
1: and mm-hmm. that mystery. When confronted with the idea, oh, you know, I've I've got to maintain it, I've got to pay for it, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, all those things, um, they they really become secondary to how how important it is for me to to have just a place that I I call my my own yeah. source mm-hmm. uh, in terms of places. I don't have the same kind of feeling I, in Bethesda, Maryland, or Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. I love those places. Um, you know, Glen Echo, Maryland, where I spent quite, quite a few years of, of my, you know, teenage and twenties and such, but um, I love Washington uh, and, and would always go back and visit dad, you know, Mm. once or twice a year, if I could. And uh, um, Washington does feel like a home, but the kind of, the kind of draw this is, is, um, uh, is, is much deeper, Mm. much deeper, um, it's simpler, um, but it contains, you know, 90% of the ingredients mm. that have made me what I am. Dad wouldn't, you know, dad wouldn't, uh, insist that we get a job for the summer or, or mow lawns to make money or that kind of thing. And, and we were kind of spoiled that way. Yeah um but that's i think that's how he grew up and that's he felt like that was a very uh a generous uh thing that his parents and his uh ancestors did for him Mm -hmm. and he imparted the same kind of um the same kind of latitudes Mm -hmm. for us
0: uh it was part of the magic of the colony yeah Mm -hmm. whatever happened to the colony what's the state of things now what's the future of it (laughs)
1: I don't, I don't think there is much of a a colony per se. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we get a lot of people who are, who are friends of original owners and, and, and who don't have the same kind of, um, uh, experience of the, of the vision.
0: At this point, David and I made the short trip from the cottage to the beach where we stand near the lodge, where long ago families gathered for restaurant meals and live jazz. And we reflect a little bit on what has happened to the colony since the old days.
1: Imagine the different kinds of inspirations that people got from various moments here. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, That was something that had altered my life. You know, and Dad's teaching poetry mm-hmm. uh, uh, in one of these little places, or mm-hmm. you know, every everybody has something from here that was like you know formative um, and, and, You've and been very precious. About
0: this idea of refugia as a place um, where life continues when the outside world is in crisis, or yeah. And we create those yeah. places and they yeah. they aren't really meant to last forever. But they're meant to be little incubators of new life. And it yes. seems like that's what this place was yep. meant to be. And yeah. was
1: for you. But it but it's also kind of uh continuity for my life. It's sort of a grounding in my own life, yeah. you know, that, that uh 'cause a lot a lot of my life has gone this way and that way and this yeah. way and that way and this but has always been here. Me. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Uh I, and I like, I like that idea of a refugia. Mm-hmm.
0: To conclude the episode, we asked David to read one of his father's poems for us. He chose Travel Advisory. You'll find a link and more information at our website.
1: This is a, a few poems by Rod Jellima from a book he wrote called A Slender Grace. Some collected poems. Travel advisory, remind yourself when you wake to a strangeness of foreign lights through blowing trees out the window of yet another hotel. That home is only where you pretend you're from. What's familiar sends you packing, watching for some lost place called home. You're from wherever you go. Don't admit what you're looking for if you say to a baker in Bremen, to a barmaid in Provence, back home we think of you here as having deeper lives. They'll shrug you wrong and won't respond. And then you'll know they're strangers too. Broken and wrinkled, stones and skin, brush strokes and cords. Old streets and saints you've read about. Flute notes in the laughter of foreign children. The nip of a local market cheese. There's a life we almost knew once. Watch. Just let it in. The return ticket will take you only to the town where you packed to get on the plane. It never missed you. You'll notice... Alien goods in your kitchen, wind in a wall, losses in the middle drawer of your desk. Even there, the strange is the cup of communion you drink, that dim outlandish Kiwitas Dei. You're a citizen of never was a place. Remember not to feel too much at home.
0: This has been Refugia, a podcast about renewal. Find us on the web at refugiapodcast.com and leave us a comment. Send us your ideas about what Refugia means for you. You can also find me, Deborah Reinstra, on Facebook and Twitter at Deborah K. Rienstra.